0: to the VBCOA podcast, a Building Code Geeks podcast. My name is Christina Jackson, the VBCOA Education Chair, and with me on today's podcast, we are honored to have Ms. Cindy Davis, Deputy Director and Division of Building and Fire Regulations for the Virginia Department of Housing and Community Development. Hi, Cindy. How are you?
1: Good morning, Christina. I'm well. How are you? Today? I am
0: good. That was a whole mouthful to get that <laughs> that title out, so I'm I'm sorry about that. Um, Cindy, um, thank you for agreeing to do the podcast. Uh, We are looking forward to having an engaging conversation. And I'm going to start off with question number one. Uh, Tell me a little bit about yourself and your position within the code enforcement or code profession.
1: Okay, so first, a little bit about me. Um, I am originally from the Western Pennsylvania area. Um, I have been in Virginia for about 11 years, and prior to that, my family is still in Western PA. I have three sisters still there, loads of nieces and nephews. My daughter lives there with her two daughters. um, And I have a son actually outside of Phoenix, Arizona. Um, So my son lives in um, Goodyear, and he and his wife have four little ones. So um, I'm a huge Steelers, Penguins, and Pirates fans. OK. Stick. We're
0: not going to hold that against you.
1: <laughs> Anybody wants a terrible towel, let me know. I <laughs> uh, so, so I got um, my position in the code enforcement profession um, is, as you indicated, I'm the deputy director for building and fire regulations. Um, in Virginia and that division is housed within the Department of Housing and Community Development or otherwise known as DHCD
0: um, and that is my position in the code enforcement p- profession. So piggybacking on that, how did you get involved in code enforcement and how long have you been a code professional?
1: <laughs> well um, so i started in the um code enforcement profession as a part-time secretary in the fire marshal's office in a township um, in western pennsylvania and that was in 1988 so it's been a year or two okay
0: <laughs> um, <depending laughs> in the code enforcement profession mm-hmm. and so what has been the most rewarding part? Ap- rewarding part of being in your co-profession career?
1: Well, I think that that question has multiple answers. Um, I think for me personally, one of the most important parts of my career has been has been feeling that I make a difference, that that what I do really matters and impacts people that will never know it, mm. um, and and truly makes a difference um, every day when when I get up and do my job. Um, so, so that is an incredibly rewarding part of my career. Um, the other part that I find rewarding is just the the people um, the. The opportunities that affords you um, when you when you engage with your profession um, on a local state and national level mm-hmm. uh, the capacity that the, that gives you in knowledge is you I, I don't think you can quantify the value of that it's just um, it, it's just an amazing rewarding um, opportunity that that gives you um, a plethora of support and knowledge and resources Um, so and then the other thing that I think is is rewarding is helping other people to engage in the profession and mentoring people and encouraging them Mm -hmm. um, to to go beyond what they might otherwise um, have thought that they could or should Um, I think there are a large number of young professionals in uh, the code enforcement area that really uh, will be doing wonderful things um, on both the local, state, and national stages. And so, programs. the
0: importance of mentorship, uh, I heard you mention that. Why is that so important? And who have been the mentors in your life?
1: Oh, my goodness, I've had so many. <laughs> um, you know, um, Mentors are important because um, I think if you if you are not confident um, in your knowledge, skills, and abilities, um, you are going to be hesitant to step forward and try something new. Yes, um, and I think it's really important for mentors to give you that confidence and be able to provide that support and encourage you to to step out of your comfort zone and do more than you might otherwise be willing to do on your own. Um, you had asked me who who my mentors are and I have just had so many, I've been so blessed. Um, of course here in Virginia um, and, and going back actually to my early days um, and getting involved um at the national level was Emory Rogers. Um yes. so and I I, I had the um uh, honor of of working for him for a number of years before he retired and so um that has to be my key mentor in my career.
0: That's awesome. I, I like how you highlight how um as a woman in a male dominated field Um, a male was one of your most impressionable mentors that you worked for. And I think it says a lot about the collaboration that can happen within the co-profession between, you know, gender, sex, race, you know, we all are looking to make the world a better place, (laughs) um, influencing people we will never meet. And to have those mentors sometimes are, is invaluable to be able to lean on that person and ask them questions so as a it m- absolutely is I agree with you 100% and um, I mean
1: I if it wouldn't have been for my uh, male counterparts in this profession I, I never would have been able to achieve and uh, and do the things that I did I mean there were no other women when I first started in this right. profession so it would have been very difficult to find a female mentor um, so, again, uh, because there were so many mentors willing to support me and encourage me um, in my career, I just, it, it's been amazing. And that I is, encourage everybody to seek out those mentors because yeah. they're important.
0: So, we, we talked about Mr. Rogers there for a minute. So, how did you get in your current position and can you tell listeners, you know, what it is that you do? Okay.
1: So I'll start with the second part of that first. Okay. Um, So in my position as deputy director here at DHCD, um, within the realm of the building and fire regulations division, we do promulgate the building code, fire code, all the related construction codes, uh, the offsite construction codes, including industrialized buildings, manufactured housing. Uh, We support two governor appointed boards one, you know very well, which is the <laughs> Technical Review Board, um, mm-hmm. and the TRB hears appeals from local jurisdictions. Um, yes. if, if a party is aggrieved by the decision at the local board, they can then appeal that to the state level, and the TRB makes that final decision, decision or determination
0: mm-hmm.
1: on either an interpretation, an application of the code, um, or whatever the appeal um, is about. Um, The other governor appointed board is the Manufactured Housing Board and that board hears consumer complaints um, That have been filed against either a manufacturer or a dealer or installer of manufactured homes Um, and that board uh, issues licenses and To all the manufacturers dealers and anyone that sells manufactured homes. The other thing that we do is um, we oversee the amusement device regulations uh, which is another part of the regulatory process here at DHCD. Um, and then on the training side of that we run the uh, Virginia Code Academy, which trains um, and certifies inspectors across the uh, across the disciplines. Uh, anybody who inspects in Virginia is required to be certified in Virginia. So, um, there's about, I think, 5,900, almost 6,000 folks uh wow. the state in various jurisdictions. I didn't so know that. It's, um, it's, it's a lot. Uh, we run uh, classes uh, almost year-round. We take a few weeks off in the summer, uh, and we do continuing education. Um, also, of course, important to us is the code change training uh, upon every edition of the code. Um, And so we're getting ready to launch into that because we just finished updating to the 2021 Virginia codes which hopefully will be effective later this year. Uh, We're working on getting custom versions printed uh, for every jurisdiction in the state and we provide technical support um, and training wherever we can. Um, Our goal is to help code professionals and our other stakeholders um, that partner with us Um, to provide them with the resources they need for safe uh,
0: buildings across the state. I have a question, follow-up question. So when providing the code information, does that include taking into account that we have a growing Hispanic population in Virginia? Thank you for that question, Christina. Um, It does. We
1: just recently had the Virginia Regulations Uh, Translated into Spanish, and those are available for free on our website. Um, And that's it's a great segue into the fact that DPOR, who licensed contractors, now is offering their exam in Spanish. So, the availability of the uh, regulations in Spanish uh, is a needed resource for those contractors wishing to take that exam. Mm -hmm. We are hoping to have uh, the full version of the codes available in Spanish uh, during for the 2021 Virginia codes. Um, right now, it's two separate documents. It's the regulations in Spanish, and then you can have the code books in Spanish. But there isn't that custom version that, it, that puts the Virginia amendments into the model code. Um, so we're hoping to be able to do that uh, for the 2021 codes. We're working on
0: negotiating that right now. How important is that for the future in code enforcement?
1: Well, you know, it's um, it's clearly, there's clearly a need. Mm-hmm. Um, and as, <clears throat> as the workforce expands um, and there is more and more diversity in that workforce, mm-hmm. um, I think it's important that they are able to um, have have access to the resources that they need to be able to do their jobs, know what the code is,
0: and, and have that available. So we've been talking about a lot about the code and code development process and stuff like that, and I think this is a great time to ask the question, how did you get involved in the International Code Council, ICC for short?
1: Well, um, I would say that my involvement in ICC actually goes back uh, before ICC, um, it um, prior to ICC, uh, there were three model codes in the U.S. Um, Boca, ICBO, yes. and CCI. So I had um, the honor of serving on the Boca board of directors um, at the time and. I frequently like to say either the thing I am most proud of or the thing that most people hate is that I was <laughs> part of dissolving Boca International and creating ICC. Oh wow! So it was a it was a Herculean event mm-hmm. to, to merge those three organizations of what had once been fierce competitors into one mm-hmm. organization to do the same thing but you know fast forward 20 years after that happened and i think i think you can see that it's been very successful um and that the organization is is thriving and that that was the right thing to do so so that was the impetus for uh, my involvement in icc uh was way prior to that and when it was still part of boca international
0: so Let's pause right there for a moment because um, as a teacher for the building codes, I always make mention that sometimes there are events that happen that leads to code changes. You know, like technology has come out. We have to adopt and create new codes for things that we're seeing out in the, the field. Was there an event that led up to everybody saying, you know, these codes are just so just Um, isolated, they need to come together and be cohesive and be the model code what people use throughout the country
1: I don't know that there was a singular event but I would say that there was an extreme amount of pressure from national stakeholders um, including uh, AIA NAHB, BOMA uh, multifamily uh, folks, to to create one model code. The the you know previous to that, each of those players, the industries, steel, concrete, whoever has an interest in new products, new technology, um, developing would have to attend code change hearings in three different areas for three different model codes Mm. so it was it was a never-ending process for them and then you have you know folks that would be designing on a national level for chains national chains having to design different to different codes depending Mm -hmm. on what part of the country they were in Um, and so it just was it was a lot of pressure from everybody participating in all three organizations for those three organizations to pull themselves together and just create a single model code organization.
0: That is awesome. I'm glad, you know, it it all came together and we were able to create what we now know as ICC. And I love being a part of ICC in that process. I, I can only imagine the headache it was to try to code change in three different organizations. Um, But what's the best thing about being a part of ICC, you would say, in your opinion? So, again, um,
1: it sort of ties into one of the earlier questions that you answered. You know, one of the best things about being part of the ICC is just the capacity building, um, the opportunities that it provides, the professional development that it affords. Um, I mean, it, it truly is a... An organization where you can define yourself as a professional, and I think that's something that isn't done nearly enough in the code enforcement community. um, Is thinking of yourself as a professional uh, because
0: it truly is a profession. Um, And ICC gives you the opportunity to continue to expand that. And it also um, helps you to be able to create those networks of people who've been in the code profession. You know like yourself, like myself, um, some others that, you know, have 20 plus years on on their belt being in the co-profession. So, Cindy, um, tell us about your experience as the uh, recent term as the ICC Board of Directors President and serving as the immediate ICC uh, Board of Directors Past President. So... That position
1: um, afforded me a number of opportunities that I would never otherwise have had. And maybe, um, maybe one of the most important in my mind is the ability to um, travel overseas to the Middle East um, to, to participate in the construction process over there, attend the ACI Innovation Conference, um, in Dubai, uh, to talk about 3D printing, to tour facilities that have amazing new technology uh, that's not yet in the building code that needs to be evaluated for professional or for safety performance, um, to meet the uh, fire testing laboratories in that part of the world, to talk to the concrete industry in that part of the world, and to to really realize and wrap your mind around at at the end of the day everybody everywhere is just really trying to do the same thing and that is trying to figure out how to best build safe buildings um, how to evaluate products how to um, enforce and implement the codes and how to um, just use the resources that are out there globally um, around the world. It, it was amazing to me to see um, the IBC being used in Dubai as an example. It, it, it just is, uh, everybody everywhere is just trying to do the same thing. So it was a great opportunity for me to get a sense of that which I don't think I really had uh, previous to being able to, to experience that.
0: It's one thing for the book to say International Code Council, but then it's another to see it being internationally used. And so I think that's a very good takeaway for our listeners to have. Um, It's just, that's just awesome. So what does the future of code enforcement and code profession look like, in your opinion?
1: I think the future of code enforcement will more and more on advancing technologies. Um, I think code professionals uh, will have to um, access new technologies pro- more frequently than they have in the past. Things mm-hmm. just seem to be changing and developing so rapidly. Uh, when you start talking about biomaterials uh, and the type of, of building materials that actually are alive um, and can create just new skins on buildings can't uh, the the new batteries that are coming that don't use lithium that are being 3d printed okay it just is the technology is advancing very rapidly and i think the code profession will um you know need to embrace the ability to employ these new technologies um without waiting for them to get into the code you know right. the, the code is a three-year process and mm-hmm. um and new technology isn't easily embraced uh, well, so the technology it, isn't waiting for the code to catch up with it yeah you know clt is a great example of that mm-hmm. um, it took a very long time to get into the code so that code professionals had some prescriptive things that they could count on. Um, mm-hmm. And prior to it being in the code, they had to use, you know, performance modeling, alternative methods and materials, and they it was a challenge for them to do it without it being in the code. So so the resources for code professionals to be able to accept alternate methods and materials um, is an important part of their professional development, I think. Um, to learn how they can count on support of various organizations to be able to evaluate that.
0: Just for our listeners' sake, what's CLT?
1: Oh, uh, cross-laminated timber. <laughs> right.
0: You know, some there might be some uh, non-code geeks listening to this, so we just want to make sure we, we let them know. Thank you, Cindy, for that. Um, and like you said, with new technology comes young people. And young people sometimes have that excitement, that uh, go get them attitude. What would be your advice for young people wanting to get involved in the code profession other than exploring alternate technology?
1: Well, I think exactly what you just said, go get them. I think anybody that has any interest in the code profession Uh, should explore um, every resource available to them. We make a point in the Code Academy in in the core classes, and core is a class that's required for every new hire um, in the state of Virginia that's in the code enforcement uh, area. Whether or not they have already passed the exam, whether or not they have just come from a, a, a construction background or an engineering background or an architectural background or how, however they got into the profession, the core class is a requirement for everyone in Virginia. And what we emphasize in that core class is the resources available to every new person, to to everyone interested in the code profession. We give them the, the applications and information on on VFPA, on VBCOA, on VPMIA, on Wicked, and for those of you listening that may not know what those are, those are um, professional chapters of code enforcement uh, professionals within the state of Virginia, is the Virginia Building and Code Officials Association, the Virginia Plumbing Mechanical Inspectors Association, the Virginia Fire Prevention Association, and Women in Code Enforcement and Development. So, those professional organizations are out there and they are ready to help you, support you, mentor you, train you. Uh, The resources are out there, so I would encourage every new person, young or old, um, (laughs) that is new to the profession to seek out the resources available, uh, not just... the ICC isn't the only one. I, I highly encourage everyone to get involved at the national level too, but certainly the local level resources are available for those maybe not yet ready to take that next step or just new to the profession. Um, those organizations, uh, there, um, there's, uh, I forgot to mention the uh, International Association of Electrical Inspectors, mm-hmm. (IAEI), and there's also the Virginia Elevator Safety Association, VESA. So, whatever area of code enforcement you are looking to um, engage in, uh, there
0: there is a professional organization out there ready and willing to help you. Wow, Cindy, thank you so much. I think it goes without saying. Do you like your job? I love my job.
1: I, <laughs> I love my job. Um, I I I feel blessed to be. Uh, Where I am in Virginia, Um, I I don't know that I mentioned, uh, when I came to Virginia, just what a a leader Virginia has always been. Um, I mentioned coming from Pennsylvania, and I can tell you that uh, Pennsylvania did not have a statewide code until 2003. Um, Prior to that, Mm -hmm. it was a hodgepodge of no code. Some could have been on the code from the 70s. Mm. There almost 3,000 jurisdictions in Pennsylvania. It was a hodgepodge. And one of, when I was testifying in Pennsylvania as to how to create a statewide code, um, now I'm really going to age myself here, but I, I had reached out to, at the time, Roxana Rickman, mm. uh, who had worked for DHCD at the time and I think was director of the Code Academy. Ask her for Virginia's regulations, and I took Virginia's regulations to Pennsylvania and said, "This is how you do it. You do not need to reinvent the wheel. This is a model that works incredibly well. Um, And there are a lot of Virginia aspects in the Virginia or the Pennsylvania statewide code. So it just—I had worked at the national level." the legacy organization and early with ICC with so many Virginians, including Emory and Steve Shapiro and Bill Dupler and Ron Clements. And it just, I had built a lot of relationships with a lot of people in Virginia and have always held them up to be a a model of co-development as does the rest of the country. So to be able to be here in Virginia in the position that I am, I I just am truly honored to be able to do that. It's an amazing opportunity.
0: Well, Cindy, it goes without saying we are honored to. Have you um, speak with us on our podcast uh, as well. We know you have a busy schedule and we thank you for taking the time out to speak with us. Um, It's always a pleasure speaking with you, Cindy. You're one of my favorites in the cold cold profession I'm so glad that our paths crossed that I've met you. You've been a great friend and mentor and I really appreciate you, Cindy. Back at you, Christina. I appreciate you. Cindy, if anyone needs to get in contact with you, how can they do so? So they can get in
1: contact with me by email and the email for DHCD is pretty straightforward. It is just my first and last name, Cindy.davis at Gov. Okay. Or they can call me at
0: 804-371-7151 is my direct number. All right. Well, Thank you, Ms. Davis, for taking the time out to speak with us. Uh, This has been a VBCOA podcast. We would like to thank Ms. Cindy Davis, Deputy Director in Division of Building and Fire Regulations with the Virginia Department of Housing and Community Development, otherwise known as DHCD. And my name is Christina Jackson. I'm the VBCOA Education Chair, and this has been a VBCOA podcast, a Building Code Geeks podcast.